people can agree on one thing. This country is awesome. Whether you're right side or left side, it's time to put it all aside and remember how amazing this country is. So sit back, pop a cold one, and grab those pork rinds. It's time for Made in America. With your host, the angry Texan himself, Gregory Parrott. Welcome back. Ladies and gentlemen, I am your host, the Angry Texan. Today, I got a very special episode. We're broadcasting live from Cypress Wood Golf and Country Club in Winter Haven, Florida. One of my all-time favorite courses. Whenever I first moved to Florida, I started picking up the game of golf, and there were two places, three places I played. It was uh, Willowbrook and Baytree, uh, Cypress Wood. Cypress Wood was the last course that I, I finally started playing because for me it was the most challenging. I mean, Willowbrook is like, okay, I'm going to lose a lot of balls. Baytree was just like, hey, we're hanging out and drinking beers. Cypress Wood for me was always bring your A game. This is uh, this is kind of a little bit longer than you're used to so far. Being here, I, it's an honor for me to bring the uh, PGA professional Bob Shade to the show. Welcome to the show, Bob Shade. Thanks, Greg. I appreciate the opportunity to speak to your viewers, or listeners, both. Yeah, that's, uh, I wanted to get you more than that. I was like, well, I can't find stadium on here, so, you know, I mean, <laughs> sadly enough, I failed in that department. <laughs> but I digress. Usually that, that trombone is what I want to, every time I slice it or I hook one into the woods, it's, I need to figure out a way I can get a speaker on the golf cart so when my friends do that, I can just, you know, have that ready to go. So. That'd be cool. Anyways, uh, Baba, I've known, you, I've known you off and on for several years, I've been coming out here a long time, and, and getting to know you over the last year and hearing a little bit about your, your background and, and, and you trying out for the, the, the tour and, and uh, getting in the U.S. Open qualifier, but, but what was it that got you into golf? Yeah, it's an interesting story. When I was 12, I was in all the team sports, as a lot of us were when we were that age. And then uh, I got tired of the second baseman uh, missing a ground ball and it affecting my athletic and performance. So I decided I need to look for an individual sport. Um, <laughs> my grandfather played, and that was my connection to the game. And he took us to or took me to the local uh, par three course to start, and we did it that summer, which was in 1981. Um, started playing, had no idea what I was doing, but he kind of showed me. He was a crappy golfer, but he loved the game, and he kind of instilled that love into me. For me, golf was, I had a buddy, my best friend, uh, Scott Covington, this kid I grew up with. Uh, I talk about him a lot on the show. He he was started playing golf in high school, and I was, you know, I started playing really good baseball. We both played, but he gave baseball up and played just golf. And... I'll never forget the time I ever went to an actual golf course. I, I thought I was going with him to play. I was like, I have no idea what we're doing. He's like, oh, yeah, you, uh, you're going to carry my clubs. So I caddied <laughs> 18 holes, and I I bet I was maybe 12, 13 years old. I mean, this dude was a prick. And uh, I'll never forget. I was like, man, is, how much? How many more do we got? He goes, oh, this is the fifth hole. We've, we got to go to 18. I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's a lot of walking. And there was a couple of times where he's like, here, I'll carry this hole. And. It was fun, and it really intrigued me. I, I started liking golf more, just like a lot of the other people. With the, I always liked Freddie Couples and, and a few of those. You'd see it on TV. All right, let me, let me finish watching this. And 
And then you go out and hit golf clubs. And I'm like, man, I, I can't do this. I'm not good at this at all. But it, I think it was after I'm Tiger Mania got going. Sure. I moved to Florida and there was so much opportunity for golf. Where I come from, you got to drive. You got you to put a couple hours on your car to go and drive and find a course because I'm from rural Texas. Right. But here they're, they're just, they jump out at you. So uh, it was a no brainer to get a set of clubs and start playing and and it's the most dedication I've had to a sport in the last uh, 30 years. I right. mean, you think about my baseball longevity. I was just high school and a little bit of college. But golf, I've been playing consistently for 20 years now. And I still suck. Yeah, you know, it's, um, it's, it's the way we all kind of come to the game. We are working our, um, you know, working through trying to figure out how to hit the ball, especially when you come from other athletic backgrounds. Mine was uh, with Jack Nicholas's book, Golf My Way. I laid that thing on a um, on the driving range at a place called Twin Falls in Westbrook, Maine, where and laid that thing out, went page by page trying to figure it out. And then the old dudes around the course would come and try to help me. And of course, one would say do it one way, one would say do it another. So I was a confused 12 and a half, 13 year old as uh, these adults who apparently were playing because they were on the golf course would tell me all kinds of different things. Yeah, that I think that's how I started getting better at golf is that I would have everybody you ever run into give you a couple of tips or a pointer here and there the hot thing now to be honest is uh the trend going on line and everything is everybody's getting into TikTok and seeing these little lessons and then they go out in their yard and they try them out and and for some it's working for some it's like i i personally and this is me just because i i wanted to take a lesson from somebody i'd never had one before so i chose you and you have a different approach to golf uh, tell us a little bit about Stack and Tilt. Yeah, Stack and Tilt, founded by Andy Plummer and Mike Bennett back in 2008, is a system of golf designed around a three-dimensional description of the swing. And um, I went looking for it about six years ago because I was giving golf lessons, been giving golf lessons since I was 21. I'm 52 now, so uh, you know I went 20 some odd years teaching people what you just said. Uh, do this, do that, but I always felt kind of guilty when I would leave the range, and by the time I got back to the clubhouse, it had flushed through the student, and we'd have to go through the same thing. There was no systematic progression. Well, that's what Stack and Tilt provides. It provides a systematic progression from the floor all the way up to the ceiling. You can take it as detailed as you want, or you can... You know, you can take it in its pieces. I teach four-year-olds, and I even have a 105-year-old student. So they're different all the way in between, men, women, children, all that. But the system is formulated around that 3D description that anybody can get better. And anybody sh should have the expectation of getting better, which really intrigued me when I went down and visited Andy down in uh, Palm City um, now five years ago. Um, he blew me out of the water. I knew nothing at that point. And so that just started that process and it's been better every day. I mean, can honestly say that. That's awesome. I mean, it, I, I tried it. I, at first I was like, wow, this is very complex. But when you get into the simplicity of it, you know, it is, I sucked at math, geometry, all that, man. I was horrible at math, man. I can, I mean, if it wasn't for calculators, I'd probably be lost. But this system does work. I've seen it work. I know whenever I hit a good shot. When I noticed the difference is when I started hitting my 7-iron farther than I've ever hit it. And I was like, wow, that's weird. I don't do it all the time because it takes practice. It takes, you know, a lot more work. You know, I'm, I'm going to schedule probably coming up pretty soon another lesson just because I want to 
now that I'm really getting better with hitting my irons, you know, in the stack and till, I want to start hitting my woods and my driver. Sure. You know, and and from time to time I run into it and you'll say, hey, try, do this a little bit, you know, try this, and then I'll go out there and, you know, I'll shoot really good. And then a few days later I'll get out and play and I'll shoot really bad and I'll be like, man, I did it right. I got to figure it. And that's the frustration in golf. That's why people throw clubs in the water right. is because they know that they can hit better. Everybody knows that they could do better in golf. And that's what's great about the sport. Anybody can play it. Yeah, I think that uh, one thing that Stack and Hill gives everybody is a way to do it that you can go back to and you're not searching through the 92 million YouTube videos trying to find that one or two that fits you. And I think that that's the, one of those rabbit holes that at me as an instructor, you know, I, I tell my students to please send me the link. Let me look at it. Let me evaluate it for you, my student, to see if it's appropriate for you. Because you can certainly go sideways fast, as you said, and you keep bouncing around from thought to thought to movement pad to movement. You never have anything you can, um, you know, you can stick to. And I think that's where it leads people to failure. And, you know, and, and that's what drives people away from the game, in my opinion. And one of my primary obje objectives is to grow the game of golf. More people. COVID has provided that opportunity. Yeah. And more I was just—I was about to uh, go into that. Is uh, wh wh how do you feel about the direction of golf at this point? I mean, we're—we really are essentially. I mean, here in Florida, I mean, COVID was almost like, oh, that—that that happened already. Are we done with that? I mean, Florida was one of the first that I've noticed in the news and you know, or people around the country and social media that you know, Florida just—we're out of this. You know, as far as we're concerned, COVID's over. And you see the reports, there's no new reports. You know, people in the hospitals and stuff are saying, yeah, there's not any really new reports. So as we're coming out of this nationwide, how do you feel about the direction of the game so far? Well, I think that COVID, because it was uh, COVID provided an opportunity for golf for that um, more people to come to it because it was an outside sport all around the country, probably all around the world as far as I'm concerned. Here specifically, you know, it brought a lot of new players. Um, and now it's our job to keep those new players uh, entertained, you know, as they as they come back to it. Because now, as we come out of out of uh, out of golf or out of COVID, excuse me, you know, we're going to have a situation where their interests start to divide. You know, they're going to go back to going to the you know to the malls and go into those all these other activities they used to go. But I think that golf is addictive. You know, that good shot you hit on 18 brings you back for another round. And I think that the general direction of golf is on an upswing. I think that players, um, people are but are more, not like it was in the 80s with Tigers where they'd watch Tiger and it was must in the 90s and 2000s with Tiger watching that. It was must-see TV. Now it's more participation. We see new people at this golf course every week. Um, and some of them have no idea what they're doing, just like your experience when you started. You know, you just you just grab clubs. Your buddy says, "Keep your you know keep your head still and swing." I make that joke at every lesson, you know, and I say to him, "I said if this golf pro tells you to keep your head down, you have my permission to hit me over the head with a seven iron, put me out of my misery." Because I'll never say that. Um, but it but it is what happens when you get people in the game, and we have to educate them. You have to know what to do. Um, and it's a and it's a process. It takes a long time to get people in there. It's a lot of real estate. We're on 140 acres here. You know, it's a it's a it's a long way around, and there's a lot of <laughs> a lot of stuff out there, as you know. You know, bunkers and grass and trees and all that stuff. Alligators, even. Yeah. Uh, what do you, what do you do? You know, you have to learn how to play, just like anything else. And and it's nice 
to my brain that you know you, you generally have a very supportive group of people with you that help these new players come along and learn how to play the game and learn to grow the game and learn to love the game like we do. Um, I think that's kind of the cool thing that it doesn't matter at me as a zero handicap and me playing with a 15 handicap or a 30 handicap, all of us can enjoy it. You know, we're never going to play basketball, you know, with, you know, with Michael Jordan or something like that. It's going to, you know, run us off the court. You know, um, I, I just showed my age again. Um, yeah, me too. I was like, that's <laughs> the GOAT, you know. Right, right, exactly. You know, we, um, you know, we're never going to play those sports, you know, that we used to participate in there, but we can all go out there and play golf with Tiger. Yeah. I mean, we may uh, crap our pants, but we're but we're gonna still we could participate, play along, and still have the game of golf because it's the same. Now they play at a different level, of course. They hit the ball better, but we all play golf, and with handicaps and with the honesty that's in golf. Yeah. You know, I think that's what brings people together. And you can go play in, in a business situation, a CEO. It doesn't really matter your skill level, but you do know how to play. You know, you know where to stand, you know, where to, you know, all those things that, you know, get newbies in trouble when they're not. Cause they, and again, they just look, they look at, I don't know what to do, but somebody has to always teach them. I think that's one of our primary responsibilities as seasoned golfers, and you too, Greg, you know, to help your buddies when they, hey, break the bunkers, you know, those sort of things. You know, it's just things you wouldn't, you wouldn't know unless you knew. Right, and that's one of the things that a lot of people, I noticed that I remember... I was at a, I was at a course last year with my buddy Devin Seabold. We were playing, and we had these father and his son. Father just retired and said, "You know what? Let's get. I'm going to get some clubs. Me and the son, or the son's probably in like my age. You know, in his 40s. This is awesome. I'm, I'm so glad that my microphone's picking all this up. Right. What's up, buddy? <laughs> I love it because he's just going by in the camera, and it's awesome. Yeah, that's cool. This is what a golf course is in the morning. You right. will have people working, and they work until uh, the job is done. Yep. But I will say that um, uh, Scott and I, we played behind some newbies that didn't know a lot of the etiquette, and they didn't know about the, oh, man, you know, we're holding up the people behind us. Let's let them right. play through. And so we drove up and told them, and they were, they, they were like, oh, you know, I'm, at first they were kind of offended, like, well, what do you mean play through? Like, oh, it means you kind of step aside and let us play this hole because we're playing at a faster pace. Right. You know, you guys are new. We've been playing for a while. And they understood, and then the next time we saw them out there, you know, they were uh, – I saw them, you know, letting somebody play through on the, the adjacent hole. And I was like, you know, look at these guys. They're learning, you know. Right. And I guarantee you, me being – when I was new – I was famous for letting people play through. Like, you know what? I think I'm just going to go over here and just open this beer and watch y'all play for a second. So, Yeah, no, that's, that's, a good, that, that, that's a good example. That's yeah. a good example. The, uh, now, I will say, uh, it, you did tell me, t tell the people a little bit about your, uh, like you are, tell people what a PGA professional is because everybody's like, oh, he's the club pro. Like, oh, he's a professional golfer? Like, Oh, just like I didn't see him on TV. Tell people the difference. Yeah, the there, there's a very distinct difference between a golf professional and a professional golfer. A golf professional is generally working at a club, helping out the players, um, buying the golf merchandise. In my case, as the director of operations here at the golf course and the owner, you know, I'm overseeing all the other facets of the building, the food and beverage, the golf maintenance. So my, my day is full. Um, you know, my passion is in the teaching side, 
but my passion is in my community, Cypresswood, to make it the best place it can be. And uh, you know, I've been here 30, it'll be 36 years in a couple of weeks, you know, since I was 16 years old. Um, you know, so you know, my day-to-day -day routine starts with doing financials. Then it goes into setting up the tee sheet for the players to enjoy their round. Then meeting with the golf, the golf course superintendent to see what the challenges for the course are. What do we need out there? And then the food and beverage side of it opens up, and um, you know we talk to the managers there. What do we need to do today? Who's on? Who's on board? Um, you know, what are we ordering? All those kind of things. And then at night, it could be a community meeting that's happening here, um, and it goes on, on and on and on. And that's just the you know the daily. The golf professional is extremely different from a professional golfer. I play. I try to play once a week. I don't really practice anymore, so my skill level kind of wavers between a plus two and a two. Yeah, but you, you're out there hitting balls during your lesson, like, here, let me show you how to do this, you know, and uh, yeah. I was watching you, you grabbed my seven iron, which you'd never held in your life, and you're like, yeah, look, watch this, bam, and you hit exactly where you said you're going to hit, and I'm like, dude, look at this, dude. I got 10 cup teaching me here, you know yeah, what I'm saying? And, and, and I would credit that to stack and tilt um, with that, with the grid, which you're familiar with, you know, in the system that I can go out there and demonstrate, um, you know, one shot or two shots. But as we know on the golf course, you know, you only have one shot at a time, you know, so the pressure's amped up and you have a performance on the golf course where you're trying to perform that, perform that goal, which is, you know, hit the fairway, hit the green, whatever the thing is. Um, but, you know, instructor uh, brilliance is, is a real thing. It's, you know, a lot of instructors can hit that shot. But I would credit that to me visualizing, you know, the grid of the swing, the geometry that you spoke of before as, as why I don't usually hit two bad shots in a row. What do you think uh, people in general, uh, when you see people come out here to play golf, what would you say is the, the most enjoyable thing that they enjoy? Like, for me, when I go play golf, I never really play by myself. It's usually I want to play with other people and, you know, catch up with buddies. Like like I said, my best friend, every time we see each other, golf is involved. Whenever I started playing, it tickled him to death because he was like, oh, my God, you know, my best friend's playing golf too now. But we don't live near each other. He lives near Nashville, Tennessee. I live here. But every time he comes down here, we play it. I go up there, we're playing. If we go somewhere and meet up somewhere, we got to bring our clubs because that's our thing. We yeah, I, yeah I, I think um, I think that's what it is. I didn't get that probably ten years ago. I couldn't understand why people would go to a golf course that was in uh, less than spectacular shape and play. But it kind of dawned on me, you know, ten years ago or so, that you know people go where their friends go. You know, it's a great social experiment. You know, you play with your buddies because your buddies go to play at Cypresswood or Willowbrook or wherever the golf course is. And whether that's your favorite course or not, it's because it's your favorite people to be around. And I think that's where, you know, where, I think that's why people play here. They like the golf course. They like the, I hope they like the employees and my staff. But I think in the end of the day, if their friends decided to go play in Kissimmee someplace, they're gonna follow, uh, they're gonna follow them to Kissimmee and play. Um, you know, it, it, it's kind of the way the, you know, people, you know, kind of react socially. You know, I think this is the. I think this is a social game um, that taxes you mentally beyond belief. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that it's a physical game. Today it's you know going to be 98 degrees and it's warm and we've got some guys out there that just start. I'm looking at them on nine green right now. Um, you know, and they're uh, in their 80s out there trying to get out early before the uh, before it gets too warm. But it's already warm out there. Yeah. You know, it, and, you know they battle. 
It's yeah. a, it's definitely Florida. That's my thing is I have to tee off. Like I'm looking at the grass in front of us and it's got dew on it. That's when I like to go out. Plus when I'm on the putting green, whoever was before me, I can see the way the ball was breaking to the hole. Ah. <laughs> you see that little dew thing. But honestly for golf, it's just, I don't know to me and my friends are like, you know, I'm going to go because if I'm going to play by myself, I'm just going to go to the range and hit balls. But for me, I don't know. It's it's whenever you hit that good shot and your buddy saw it. Right. And, and and if you see any of my golfing videos that I've posted on social media, there's always one of my buddies like, oh, good shot, buddy. Good ball. You know, and like it's a confidence boost. Like it's like, hey, mom, look, no hands, you right. know, kind exactly. of moment. Exactly. Yeah, it's a, um, you know, the, the, the golf game is um, so psychological. It's part of the teaching end of it where you're having to convince people that that one shot they hit is, um, is doable again. You know, because sometimes when we're out there playing, it doesn't feel like we're going to hit the ball well again. You know, and you have to be able to know, you have to be able to know that you can bring it back. Um, again, that's where the system comes in play, where you can see the pathways to success and you can keep pounding the, you know, pounding the same thing over and over again. It's repetitive motion. Um, and you're right, you, when your buddies see you hit a good shot and they smile or call you a bad name because, you know, in jest because, yeah. <laughs> because you hit a good shot, I think that's one of those things that uh, kind of endears us. And, you know, we've all done it. We've all had terrible rounds. And then when we get off 18, we shake our buddy's hand and we say, you know, nice to play with you. When can we play again? No matter how bad it was. Yeah, you that's know? that's the thing I enjoy the most, Austin. I hate being rushed if there's people behind me. But 18, people got to understand, man, that's the end. And when you're done playing, it is so customary. I, I learned this a long time ago. Like, nah, come here. And we all shake hands at the end, you know. And, and teaching people the etiquette of golf, you know, don't don't walk in my backswing, you know, don't don't cough or you know and there's there's videos out there where people are being funny to get people you know to mess up and those sure. videos are hilarious but for me i'm just really impressed you, you recently y'all are involved with the uh, spark golf league too yeah yeah we have uh, one of the on tuesday afternoons yes sir yeah they uh, if, if you don't know what spark golf is ladies and gentlemen it's a it's an online golf league and i found it through um facebook and I came out here to play, and there was a guy that was going to be playing the next day in the Spark here, but he wanted to come and just check this course out. He was actually a cameraman for Fox News. And so I came, it was one of the days I came out, my buddy backed out, and it was just going to be me and another guy. So I was like solo. So I was like, hey, y'all match me up with somebody. I, I can't hit a hole in one and somebody not be there to see it, you know, because if that ever happens and no one's there, I'll uh, you might find a bag of a bag of clubs somewhere in the woods where I got mad. But, uh, yeah, and he was telling me about it. He said, you know, I go to all these courses. It's nine holes. You go there, and you meet new people, and it's just a, really a way to socialize. I was like, man, that is so dope. And so uh, I'm looking into probably maybe getting that. And a couple of my buddies in uh, another state, uh, I believe Georgia, they've already started it. Yeah, it's definitely nationwide, and it's building and building and building. There are, there are golf courses all over Florida and all over the United States that are participating, and it's growing. And it came from, I believe it came from California this way, and it's, so it's sweeping across the nation. It's a good way for people to find other people, just like we said. It, the golf is ultimately a, a social game. It really has become that. I mean, in the end, golf is just – it's you. It's right. you versus you because only you can control what you score. Yeah, everybody else, whatever. But I've always considered it, you know, it's a sport for yourself. 
but it's really evolved into a really social thing. And you love seeing that. And I, and I go into that social thing so much because during the pandemic, you know, here we had the Capital One, the match, right. you know, where you got football players playing with professional golfers. And it was everybody's captivated because they were being people. You know, it wasn't, you know, funny. It was funny announcers, and it was them talking crap to each other. And I was like, oh, my God, that's what we do. Right. And, and you realize, and I think that caught on to a lot of people, because even my girl was like, I didn't. I thought you guys just got out there and maybe had a couple of beers, and you were quiet the whole time. I was like, no, 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 babe. There's, there's a lot of cussing. There's a lot of, there's a lot of <laughs> crap talking. And, and it's fun. And, and I, I tell my, my girl, she, she's starting to get into wanting to learn to play. And I've told her the rules. She's rode with me one time and said, hey, you know, I didn't know this. I didn't know that. Now she's wanting to maybe learn to hit the clubs. But she's like, well, I'm, I'm, you know, she's she's got big boobs. And it's, and I've seen her at Top Golf. And I said, you can still learn. Sure. And, and you, you have a ladies' clinic. Yeah, every Saturday, 10 to 11 o'clock, we have a ladies' clinic. There's anywhere from 15 to 30 ladies out there. They are all different sizes, shapes and skill levels um, and they all have a blast now they've become again friends yeah. they go they come into the pub afterwards and they have drinks they have lunch they plan birthday parties they do all that stuff together and and if go golf brought those that group of you know it's i think it's 60 is the roster as they bounce in and out with their schedules and now those 60 are, are you know a group where they go out to dinner and they go to now that the pandemic is at near its end they're out going to shows and to movies and comedy acts and uh, uh, you know all those things to uh, because they've formed this network and I think that's really again what it's about I think that uh, a point to be made is that you know some people still have the perception that golf's a stuffy sport and I think that that's probably about two percent of it and I think the rest of it is just regular people out on a you know an afternoon or a morning enjoying each other's companies chasing the white ball around and then the addiction starts of trying to hit that ball well yeah, and trying to get better because, you know, frankly, nobody likes to suck at what they do. You know, everybody wants to suck less. I had a guy a couple of weeks ago, and he said, the only thing I want you to do is make me suck less. I said, well, I think I can help you with that. And, and he was very pleased with his outcome, um, you know. And so, you know, you have different ranges for different reasons. People are very serious, but those are small percentages. I don't want it, you know, I don't want people to think that golf is overwhelmingly difficult. It's not easy. Yeah, uh, it's not easy, but it, um, you know, it, it, it is simple. It's simple geometry and anybody can follow and I can put a four year old in there with clubs that are, you know, 18 inches tall and she can hit that stock baby draw, which is a ball starts to the right and curves to the left. And you can see that it, it, it I told her dad, I said, it makes me feel like I should be able to hit the ball 500 yards when I see her swing. Yeah. Right. But again, it's all scalable and it's um, yeah, that ladies clinic is a good example of um, one lady can't touch the ball first day this last past Saturday. She, she didn't know how to hold it, you know, and then there's ladies there who hit the ball 200 yards. So it's everywhere in between, but they're all friends. They're all considerate of each other's skill levels, which is the etiquette uh, part that you spoke of several times so far. Um, and I think that that's really where the connections come to because people are helping people. And isn't that a novel concept in this world today? 
Yeah, it is. It really is. And and you're and I know you've told this before, but your favorite kind of student is somebody who's never played golf yeah, because the, they the don't unicorn. have any bad. Yeah, they don't have bad habits. And that's when you know you found out as a baseball background, you were like surprisingly. You don't have, you, you know, you were able to catch this a little bit more, whereas others play baseball for his. Man, I have a guy that when he hits it, man, it looks like he's looking to left field, like it just cleared the green monster. Right. And I'm like, dude, you got to put all that weight back on that front foot, you know. Right. Yeah, it's, it's cool. Yeah, that's the cool thing. Now, tell the, the people, since you, you were dedicating golf, um, and people don't understand that the people – on TV that play are the top 1% of all the golfers in the world. You yourself uh, tried out for the U.S. Open. Uh, tell so us a little bit about that. Yeah, back in the, um, back in when I graduated from high school in 1988, um, looking at colleges, uh, you know, recruited locally in some, some geographical areas, um, you know, started doing U.S. Open qualifiers. Uh, went to one at Disney and Magnolia, tried to do that, didn't qualify. Just with the experience, just trying to see where I stood. Started taking lessons from Jim McLean down in Doral. Um, did that, drove down there one day, one day back. You know, a big haul, a lot of money for my parents and me back then. Um, you know, I, I think I was making $4 an hour in 19, you know, 1988 or so, whatever it was back then. Um, you know, and I and and then finally I did uh, break through and qualified to the sectional. Well, I went to the sectional. It was at Bay Hill, um, and I shot uh, it was 36 holes in one day and shot four under par for the two rounds, and lost by nine. Wow. And I said, you know what? I got to start rethinking this because I either got to completely dedicate to playing and get that was better, or I got to change and start looking at other ways to stay involved in the game. And that's kind of where I went. It's, you know, it, it was all about resources because it is a relatively expensive game at that level. Um, and it, and, and just decided that it was uh, better to go into the teaching side. And I started teaching when I was 21 um, and learning from, all kinds of different resources when i was 21 there was really no youtube you know there wasn't any day you were doing it from books yeah i amassed a library of golf books there is from ben hogan to byron nelson some of the oldies uh to jack nicholas's golf my way some of the time i buy i buy almost every book i could find you know to learn um and and it kind of led me through the pathway take talking to other golf professionals and use that mentorship that comes which is kind of cool in the business where you can go and watch other pros teach you know, and shadow them, which is, um, you know, they're not, most of them are not territorial. Um, I've had people shadow me and watch, um, and everybody's very respectful of the process. Um, and, yeah, that's kind of what I did. And then, yeah, I play in some local Moonlight Tour events and do and do okay in them. You know, I, I can, like, just, again, when you're working six days a week and you don't, and you don't practice as much anymore because you start to get busy on the business side, then, you know, your short game gets, uh, shaky you know it doesn't it doesn't stay as sharp you know your ball striking gets you know gets up and down so you end up having one good day one bad day you know that kind of thing um and that kind of follows me to be honest it kind of follows me around this i'll play you know relatively well on a sunday and then if i play monday or tuesday get that opportunity i'll play much better 
because you get into that playing rhythm. It's one of those parts of the game that people don't talk about is that rhythm and timing section. It's not all technical. It's how you dance to the music. Right, right. Yeah. It really is. That's a, a girl, Annalise, uh, she, she was at your clinic, and she hit a golf ball really good for the first time in her life. Right. And she said, you know, it, it kind of like a dance, the way everything is, it's, it's all rhythm, it's all timing, you know, the hips and everything got to turn, the shoulders, and it's, it, it is quite much of a dance. I got to uh, ask, though, you've, is all the golfers that you've met, what's probably one of the biggest names or the coolest uh, celebrity golfer you've ever met? Um, that's a good question. Um, I would have to say Tom Watson only because I saw him in an air- It was funny. We were coming back from Vegas, and he happened to be in the airport, and, you know, and I saw him, and I, you know, shook and went over to him, and I was shaking in my shoes as I go over to you know, and I, and I sat there and, um, you know, we had a conversation. He was waiting for a plane that he was late for or they were the plane was late or whatever. And we had a nice conversation. He's very, very endearing, very, very likable. And then another one that hits me, and as I was thinking about that, is we were at the PGA show in Orlando and I came out of the parking lot and Byron Nelson, as an older man, he was probably in his 80s, was sitting there waiting for his car. And I introduced myself sat down and had about a 15-minute conversation with, you know, Lord Byron Nelson, one of the things. And he's talking, as he's talking, he's taking his grip. You could see him. You could just see that at that age, playing that game for as long as he did, you know, he still had the love of the game, the love of the feel of those. I can almost see him massaging his his leather grips. Yeah. You know, the old leather grips that they used to have. It was just so cool, you know, to sit there and listen to him talking about me. He's talking, asking me questions about my game and about where I was and all those things and then finally probably the greatest one was Arnold Palmer meeting meeting at Bay Hill um, I have a friend that is a member there and I play there you know several times a year and we were in the several years ago we went and then he said let me introduce you to Arnold Palmer Mr. Palmer stood up shook my hand Never seen hands that big in my life. They're giant. I mean, wow. just like giant, like a catcher's mitt reaching out there. And he shook my hand, made eye contact, just like you would expect. You know, I said, I'm Bob Shade. He says, I'm Arnold Palmer. I said, yes, sir, I know. You know and, he get, and he laughed. It was kind of funny. He asked where I was. I told him where I was at Cypress Wood. He said, where's that? And, you know, I said, it's between Southern Dunes and Mountain Lake, which are golf courses on 27. And he says, I know exactly where, where you are. And he talked to his uh, business. He says, we need to make a trip down there and play those three golf courses sometime. Although he never did, it was <sighs> still, he was so personally endearing. It's like, like, and he didn't have to. You know, he yeah. could have just said hello and shook my hand as a, as a reference or to a deference to his, his member. But he took the five minutes or whatever it was and really made me feel, oh, my God, Arnold, Arnold Palmer cares about me. So that, that, that's probably the coolest one because it seems so personal. Um, and you know, that's probably the highlight. Yeah, I've never, I've never met uh, any professional golfers. I've had a list of, of golfers that I was hoping one day I would meet. Number one on that list, everybody's surprised, you know, that I don't say Tiger Woods or anything. I'm a big fan of the people's golfers still to this day. Uh, and if, if, if listeners, if you don't know who I'm talking about, I'm talking about John Daly. The guy really does play professional golf. Like, I mean, when you watch him play and you hear him talk, you see his videos, you're like, oh my gosh, this this is one of our guys. This is a guy that you, know, you would you would meet at the Spark Golf League. You know, right. he dresses exactly. like it too. Exactly. And the, the the guy's legendary for hitting long drives. I also I think it would have been awesome if I could have uh, you know ever met Byron Nelson. I mean, he's a he's a big name yeah. in North Texas, Dallas. 
I mean, he's a legend. I mean, there's a there's a lot of things about Dallas that you know associate you know Dallas Cowboys, but there is a section of Dallas that is all about Byron Nelson. I bet. And uh, and he's got streets, he's got roads named after him, and he's also got his own golf tournament that's right. still going. Yep. You know, and it's it's real big there. God, it's uh, it's hot no matter. They could have that tournament in in December, and it would still be scorching hot. <laughs> How much? Uh, how much more? Th- I mean, you're going to uh, obviously probably do this kind of work until until you're you're just old and gray. I hope that's the hope. Yeah, I just love helping people. So and and I know they can be helped now. It's stack and tilt underneath me and uh, the foundation of that network. I know that I can help anybody. And if I have a problem with somebody's swing, I know that I can send a video to the founder, Andy Plummer, and Andy Plummer will, you know, respond, hey, look at this, look at that. And again, there's, I don't know, there's probably 15,000 of us all over the world, people in Singapore, people in China, people in, you know, in, in Europe, all over the place that can, um, you know, can help, and we do. That's that's the value of the, uh, the network, that they, everybody is uh, helping each other help our students, because that's the ultimate goal. It's to keep people in golf and to grow the game as best we can. Yeah, because... The thing about golf that I, I really intrigues me the most is that there was a time where I just took a little time off from golf, but then uh, you know, somebody invited me out, and I was like, all right, let's go, you know, because you get busy, life happens. But now, even with my marriage, my my wife knows golf is his thing. In fact, on our honeymoon, she's we're packing the car, and she said, babe, why don't you bring your clubs? Nice. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I, I absolutely married the right person. There I'm like, go. I'm actually more lucky now than I thought I was. <laughs> So uh, moving forward, I, and I have to address the elephant in the room. There's so much, as much as everybody is back into golf, there is the little bit of side of divide. I mean, our country is divided enough, and, you know, I created this podcast to try to bring people back together. But what do you think that the standing of this LIV Golf League is? Yeah, you know, it's it's kind of a double-edged sword in my brain. I think that I th- I think that I don't really begrudge the players who are um, in their 40s and 50s for taking the money and setting up their families for the rest of their lives. I mean, they're throwing, the Saudis are throwing, you know, enormous amounts of money at these players, millions and millions and millions of dollars. You can't turn that down as a player. Um, I've said this and I'll say it again. I think I'm a little concerned for the younger players. I I wonder if the Saudis will run out of gas in a couple years and what will these players uh, do for opportunity. But I guess if they make if you're 30 years old and you got 50 million in the bank then i guess you can make all kinds of decisions for yourself um i i i you know i hope that they you know consider the value of the format a little bit i think that doing a shotgun start for a tournament kind of makes it anticlimactic at the end right uh, it, it, it's just a little funky that way and i know they kind of did it on purpose to make it different it's not just another golf tournament it has the team event portion so i, I kind of like their ingenuity in it you know and the way they're trying to to mix it up a little bit um you know, I can't really speak to the social implications of, uh, you know, the Saudi politics. I mean, there's this stuff coming every day in the news, how they, the different governing bodies have relationships with the Saudis, too. So, it, you know, um, you know, it, you know, that's for the individual to make a decision in my brain, um, not for, you know, the golf. It will be interesting. I think the big test will come is next year when uh, the Masters invitations go up. And if you go out and, um, you know, that, that term is by invitation only, it's up to the Masters to decide who they're going to invite. 
they can choose to invite me and Greg if they want to. That wouldn't that be fun? Yeah, you'd have to get on the lottery just to be able to go see the Masters, right. which is absolutely uh, crazy. I've, I've met people that waited 10 years, and he finally, dude, I got tickets, and it's only for the practice round, but we're on our way. And I'm like, wow. It's like you can't just go up there like the Bay Hill and go, like, I got tickets for all four days. You know, right. it's, you know it's very select to get in there. Yeah, so I think that when those invitations go up, if those players that are on the Live Tour um, are not extended, then we've got a whole different ball of wax. Now, if they find between now and then a way to kind of make it work, I think it's better for the game if everybody just gets along. Yeah. Um, I don't think that they you know, should have the divide, and like you're saying, it's just, it just it's, it's, it's a silly division over just what it is. It's about money, you know, and, and those – and a, and a little bit about choice, you know, about the players being able to do what they want to do uh, and have an expectation of getting paid for it. Um, I get that. Um, I also get the fact that they're independent contractors, you know, and they, um, you know, they take on that responsibility of their own expenses because they want the choice to be able to play where they want to. If the tour changes their model and they make them employees, well, as an employer, you can dictate what that employee does or that, you know, that employee can, of course, quit. But the, um, you know, if they tell, you know, whoever that they have to play in Milwaukee and play in Los Angeles, but they can't play in Atlanta, you know, and they start to dictate their schedules, you know, it'll just kind of change the whole um one of the great things about golf is that if you play bad you don't get paid yeah and if you play well you get paid a lot you know, at, at the highest level um you know so i think that um this there's some of those issues that kind of rattle around in my head you know i think it it's so far has been there's been two of them so far and i think they've been um fairly well received i've watched a little bit of, of both um they seem to you know attract a little bit of crowd and um they seem to have the players seem to enjoy the events you know i'm sure the caddies enjoy it they're getting uh, yeah they're they're, 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 they're riding getting, that lyric yeah, too that's they're. right that's right so um as our as our friend garrison rivard will say you know the caddies need to be paid too he's a uh, uh, one of our friends who is a um uh, an ex mini tour pj lpga tour, uh, caddy so um it's it's an interesting it's an interesting thing we're in where um i i hope it doesn't go the way of the usfl you know right where, where it just goes uh, completely belly up and you've got players being ostracized from the other tour because they made a decision to do it at this point in their time. Yeah, that's and that's the thing is, and I talked to my buddy Keith Stewart, who uh -huh. uh, you know, who's a, gosh, you know, amazing golfer. That dude had a great you know football career in, in college and became a professional wrestler. Was on the little mini tours here, and you know, right. he, and another guy that speaks highly of you. Uh, just, I mean, he's basically a scratch golfer. And if you don't know what that a scratch golfer is, uh, ladies and gentlemen, that's uh, somebody that scratches a lot. No. Uh, he's just basically shoots the exact same score every single time. And his handicap does not really do, go either way too much. I have a very high handicap. My goal is to get it down to a 18 so that I can actually play St. Andrews because you have to have an 18 handicap to play St. Andrews. And that would be great for me because that's a bucket list thing. Yes. But uh, moving on um, – so with Liv and everything, the, the thing that he kind of looked at it was, you know, like, hey, you know, in professional wrestling, he said, you got all these territories and you got, you got the WWE and they were the monopoly for the longest time on TV. Well, then others showed up and you got two other ones and they all get along now. You know, at first it was like, oh, we're your competition. It is, but it's a friendly competition. It makes you do better. And 
I like Liv because now the commissioner Jay Moynihan's or whatever right. has uh, you know said, hey, we're gonna we're gonna do a little bit more pay and you know this that and the other for the PGA. They they need to these guys. These guys are on TV just as much as any other professional athlete. And when you have somebody like Patrick Mahomes, who is a very, very dedicated golfer himself, right. say, I've got a Super Bowl ring and an MVP trophy. Golf is the hardest thing I've ever done. That makes you think, like, wow, you know, like anybody can play this, but it still can be the most challenging thing, even for the most elite athletes on the planet. So why not? pay you know so it for me it's just to kind of balance and i'm like you i just want to see how this pans out and then you know what's good for the goose is good for the gander right and hopefully it just makes you know the the dp league the uh the pga usga all of it i i just i think golf people just want to be you know entertained and they also just want to have a good time you know basically hey. Yeah, I think golf is uh, with the with the top golf and the drive shaft uh, vehicles. I think golf is swinging into an entertainment sport. You know, it's a it's I think it's a hybrid. It's not the blue bloods at the country clubs uh, with their uh, you know with their collared shirts and their you know their you know their wingtip shoes and um, coming back to the uh, to the clubhouses that don't allow women in them. Right. Uh, I think I think it's changing. I mean, um, you know, as you know, and I joke about this all the time. You know, us guys, we're in the minority now. You know, it's fifty-four percent women out there, guys. We better be careful. Yeah, yeah. there's Just a there's a lot of, of people, and it's it's weird. You know, I play this course, and I'll see people with their shirt untucked and stuff. You know, and, it, and I call this a hometown course. But then I go play other courses. I played Bay Hill. You know, I walked in there with my hat turned backwards, his shirt was. Guy walks up to me. He's like, "Hey." Uh, you step outside and tuck your shirt in and turn your hat around. Yeah. And I was like, oh, oh, actually, I think he made me take my hat off. Yes. And I was like, oh, oh, okay, yeah, that, you know, this is your house, your rules. I'm not going to complain. I'm, you know, I'm blessed to be able to play here. And there's, so there's people, there's places that still keep the tri strict tradition. And that's when I go to those courses. I'm not there to, you know, have some beers with the guys and stuff. I'm there to, you know, this is a real course. Right. Let's have a good time, but let's use everything that we practice to do a good round. And if we suck, let's try not to break anything or lose our temper because they might throw us out. Yeah, I think that it's all situational. It's the difference of going to dinner at Sonic or coming to the Cypresswood Pub or going to Vinton's on Restaurant Row in Orlando. You know, there's just you just have to behave according to the atmosphere. <laughs> Correct. Uh, and and Bay Hill's an interesting place because Mr. because he had those two rules. You know, hats off in the clubhouse and shirts tucked in at all times. Um, and even on the golf course, even on the golf course when I play with the, uh, the member friend of mine and, and when he's playing, when one of them kind of gets a, a shirt tail popping out of the back because they've grown into it, let's say, yeah. uh, you know, they, 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 they kind of remind each other in a friendly manner, but they remind him, tuck in that shirt, young man, you know, and they, they make fun of it, but it, um, it's definitely a thing. Yeah, and it's a, and it's something that they've set a standard for, and and we, you know, again, it's different at Cypress. It would be at Bay Hill. That would be at, you know, a place like Isleworth where you can't wear shorts. Right. Absolutely. That would yeah, because I've uh, I, I I have a uh, golfing pants. I only wear those in the winter at this point. Um, now I will go into we'll go into something you know, switch gears a little bit. So in. As far as golf is, there's not a ton of golf movies out there. There probably should be more. Um, today, in my back in the day segment, we will uh, we will definitely get into a film 
that was started in 1980, and I'll let you guess which one. E.T. Home phone. When there was G.I. Joe and Atari. Saturday morning cartoons and Sony Walkman. Calabunga dudes. Chillax. Time to take a trip down memory lane when blockbusters were big and MTV actually played music videos. It's time for Back in the Day. All right, in 1980, a film was produced by... Uh, it was distributed by Warner Brothers Pictures and Orion Pictures, directed by Harold Ramis. Release date was July 25th, 1980. Probably my favorite golf movie of all time. I would have to say 10 cups a second, and the rest of them just kind of fall after that. But there's one that no matter when I watch it, I laugh my ass off. Caddyshack. Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, if you've never seen Caddyshack, let me tell a little bit to you. Danny Noonan, played by Michael O'Keefe, a teen down on his luck, works at a, uh, as a caddy at a snob-infested Bushwood Country Club to raise money for his college education. In an attempt to gain votes for college scholarship reserved for caddies, Noonan volunteers to caddy for a predominant and influential club member, Ted Knight. Meanwhile, Danny struggles to prepare for high school pressure caddy day golf tournament while absorbing new age advice from wealthy golf guru ty webb played by chevy chase and then then they had even more characters show up uh that's the main premise of the entire movie it's all revolved around this teenager but then you start bringing in protagonists and antagonists that just keep driving it like uh rodney dangerfield probably you know, the godfather of all stand-up comedy and just the absolute legend in the field uh, was in this. He plays an also rich tycoon, but he's laid back and just wants to have a good time. And, you know, he hates snobby people and he respects the blue class, uh, blue, a uh, blue class worker. And then you have the maintenance guy, <laughs> Bill Murray. And, of all the characters in Caddyshack, and you fast forward to today, you know, some 40 years later, he's the only one that's still religiously involved in the game. Yeah. Has his restaurant, Murray Brothers, of course, you know, his, his brother was in the movie too as the uh, 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 superintendent over the caddies. But it just, the way that Bill Murray continues to go out and entertain people through this caddyshack made people want to see more of bill murray especially in the golfing realm i haven't ever seen chevy chase ever swing a club since that movie i agree yeah and i'm like why not he had good form he yeah. did yeah so uh, how did that movie influence you if if any um it made me watch um when i got into swimming pools that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> that's the baby ruth reference um you know i think what it did to me is it um you know it kind of made it seem like golf was kind of fun you know it didn't um you know it, it was a nice story you know it was uh, like you said it was the teenager trying to go in the caddy the upstart um, trying to make his way through and um, you know 
making that putt when he made the putt to win it all. Yeah, miss you know, it. Yeah, miss right, it. Right. Miss it. <laughs> Noonan. Noonan. We still kind of use that with our friends yeah. now. We're giving them the heebie-jeebies. We're, we're under our breath. We're saying, Noonan, Noonan, you know, yeah. trying to get him to miss it. So Don't hit it too hard. That's right. Uh, huh, huh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I think that just it was just it was just a lot. La- and you have to watch it three or four times because you're laughing so much in the middle of it that you miss segments of it that are equally as funny. So I just think it was just it was just a good uh, you know, laugh a laugh show, you know, where you just kept laughing and laughing and laughing and laughing. It was really good. A buddy of mine pointed out that every element in that movie is in golf. Like the old couple that's playing, oh, that was a peach, hon. Like even though we don't really have caddies, uh, there's only one course I know in Polk County that has caddies, and that's Stream Song. But for the most part, uh, there's not caddies, but you've seen these players. You've seen every type of these players. I've seen the guy that comes out and has the cigarette on the course and, you know, throws down and and blows it out and then just, you know, hits this amazing shot. And you're like, okay, cool. That's, you know, John Daly's like that. Right. And the old couple that's playing really slow. And I'm like, man, I've been behind them, yes. you know, and I'm like, come on today. And then they don't give you the signal to, to play through and you're just more frustrated. And then you look and there's another old couple right in front of them on a par five. And you're like, oh, I'm going to be here a while. Uh, you know, and for those in the, in the summer, my advice to you is if you can't play through and it's backed up a little bit, make sure that you hit the ball toward the trees. That way you can sit in the shade while you wait. I think in that in that vein, you have the the guy who's shooting the best round of his life, you know, and finishing in the the, the thunderstorm from hell, uh, where where that thing is, uh, you know, it's somebody's going to get struck by lightning. Matter of fact, he does after he after he holes out for his best round and hits the flagstick and straight. Uh, you know, us in Central Florida, we're very aware of uh, yes, lightning the lightning tra- capital of the world, right? Uh, but it, it just you know, I think that shows the you know the will, the desire, and the you know the perseverance to get you know to complete the round and to look for that great score you know when you're playing well you don't want to stop uh, you know of course when you're not you want to get the heck out of there as fast as you can but it just showed that that old dude trying to tread around the golf course with the caddy is they're just drenched hitting good shot after good shot that's really the essence of golf you just get into that timing and rhythm thing it doesn't matter what's out there it could be a tornado coming through and it feels like you can hit the you know hit the ball well surely the lord would not disrupt this game like i've been there everybody that's ever played a good round of golf has been there when it starts to rain well we might turn in i don't you know sitting looking i hate rain checks man i really do i hate you know, time I played at Bay Hill, we had to take a rain check. I was like, dude, we're there, and I'm playing good. You know, I got a, I got a par on that horseshoe par five. You know, I right. was, like, excited. You know, I'd never played there, and I got, a, I got a par in one of the holes. I was like, you know how many pros got pars on this hole? I was exactly. like, yeah, you know, I was excited. I missed my birdie putt, but still, you know, I look into stuff like that. Now, you've seen a lot of idiots uh, out here in the golf course. I mean, I mean, not just maintenance guys, or you know, that are goofing off. You know, and we, we, I know that one boy that works out here, man. He's he's a hoot, man. He loves working here, and sometimes he'll be out there hitting balls, and when he's supposed to be picking them up, and you know, and it's a, uh, and it's interesting, especially the younger crowd. You know, some of them, you know, goof off, and um, so uh, saying that, uh, what's the most, uh, I guess, uh, craziest thing? Because I know. Uh, Back in March, I think it was, 
I came out here and somebody drove the uh, cart. I, I don't know if you can see that, but over here, ladies and gentlemen, off to the, in your right of the screen, there's a little creek that goes along the side of the fairway. And if you're just listening, I'm describing hole one at Cypresswood. You can actually look it up on the GPS. There's a little small creek to the right. And somebody, I guess, duffed one over there, and they were looking for it and not paying attention to the creek and drove the cart into the creek. Yeah, that, that one was, it, it's up in the top five anyway of all the years I've been here because it was not 30 seconds earlier than that that the uh, starter on the that was starting him off warned them about that uh, canal there and said the canal's to the right there, be careful of it. And those guys uh, hit the ball over there and went And they just didn't fall into the canal with one tire at a time. They went in there at you know, full blasto speed and, and ended up on the other side of the canal, uh, into the canal. They just didn't fall into it. Those are probably the things that happen on the golf course that are the, the crazy one to how people get into situations they get into. But we've pulled many cards out of many waterways around this golf course. Uh, people just lose control of, uh, especially years ago when they didn't have automatic braking systems and uh, for safety measures. And they were just, you get out of the car and there they go and they're chasing their cart and their clubs and everything they own that's in the cubby holes of the cards into the, into the lake on number three. Um, and then you got to fish them out. Yeah, and it's uh, that th that's probably where you know the the, the crazy wonder how do people even get there? It's just, it's nuts. Well, speaking of uh, idiots, let's uh, let's change gears and move into idiots in the news. Idiots in the news is brought to you by drugs, because if you do drugs, you'll be an idiot. In the news. Get in here. Coming in. Y'all want to buy some drugs? All right, so since we're speaking about um, idiots, I got a couple out of Texas. I've got Gary Martinez and Trevor Passmore. These guys uh, were, well, one of them was supposed to show up to court in Texas uh, to, uh, to see what his fate would be for, uh, I think, drugs and, and theft. Well, he didn't show up, and the uh, the cops found out that uh, he was also, you know, from his social media page, that he was also a golfer. <laughs> so they came out to uh, to to find him on the golf course because I guess his mother said, "Oh, he went golfing." So uh, the warrant go. out for his arrest, and what does he do? takes off running from them in the golf cart across the course in front of multiple players. And uh, so they uh, they got arrested. And uh, he also um, uh, he uh, was charged from evading uh, arrest and spitting on a deputy. Wow. Idiot. Definite idiot. Um, out of Wisconsin, I have um, a man who had a warrant out for his arrest and decided uh, when he went fishing and they uh, said, hey, um, are you so-and-so? We have a warrant out for your arrest. No, I'm, uh, I'm Rob, Rob Thomas. And they look on there and it's his, he gave his buddy's name, but he didn't know that his buddy also had a warrant out for his arrest. <laughs> so they went ahead and arrested him and then uh, charged him with giving a fake name after they ran his fingerprints. <laughs> Oh, it just gets better with the idiots in this world. But that's all I have for idiots in the news. There had been a lot of idiots. The only other idiots that I can think of are the ones that keep complaining 
about course conditions anywhere you go. And speaking of that, we'll get we'll get into that real quick. So, I worked on a golf course in East Orlando, Stony Brook East, and I did golf maintenance and uh, let the viewers know how how much work goes into fixing golf courses and mowing and the green maintenance and I mean there's just a laundry list. Yeah, there's a saying that we use in the golf golf business that you could uh, you you could spend as much money as you have every day to maintain a golf course and you'd still be one step behind, particularly in Florida in the summertime when the grass seems like it's growing an inch a day. Um, you know, it requires constant care. You're always herbiciding. You're always fertilizing. You're always, of course, mowing. Um, and it takes people. It takes, you know, it, it takes humans, you know, as they say, to get, to get out there. You have to weed eat. You have to, you have, we have four different rough mowers. And the challenges face you with this supply chain issue that we have. You know, last week we have 20 cutting units. Four of them are operational, waiting on parts for 16 of them. So we're a little behind, you know. So we put a nose, say, part, you know, it's like pardon our dust. You know, we're, we're trying our best to catch up, but the rough is the rough, and, um, you know, good luck. Yeah, uh, when, when they start mowing this rough, though, they are, uh, I hope they don't have like the thing, like my push mower, you know, I have to have that guard down or else I'm going to be f- flinging debris out. Yeah. Uh, there's going to be a lot of golf balls that they're going to find. And if, if, if they, find some before they get cut up uh, i would just like back two sleeves of yellow bridgestone a6s that's all i want (laughs) because and i tell people i'm like look and and that's the funny thing that i've heard all week you know playing out here is like man the roughs are like playing in the u.s open and the girl at the counter in there linda should be like well don't hit them in the rough just hit them in the fairway very very simple (laughs) advice and somebody that lost balls all day is like and they just walk off and and it, it's the absolute truth yeah you know you're gonna lose and and you recently uh in, implied uh implemented uh summertime rules which i thought was a brilliant idea you know that way it keeps the pace going that way i'm not having to get like a metal detector out there and uh weed eater to try to find my ball in the deep rough yeah you know we're all about the enjoyment of the game and making it easiest possible uh, to navigate their way around this golf course so when we're thinking of policies and those sort of things we're always thinking about the golfer first and trying to make them you know to, to make their trip around the golf courses and as enjoyable as possible so that's kind of what that was where they can you know if they if they if the group agrees that a ball was lost in the rough and it doesn't seem like there's a water hazard i saw it come down right there right and if the group agrees um we um we, we named it the freeman rule uh, after one of my friends who we had an episode where he lost the ball and we all kind of knew where it was so we let him drop, we place one, and then he hit it to two inches and won a skin. And a skin is a, uh, is a one of the forms of gambling in golf or wagering that um, that players do. And of course, then we, then then he felt guilty about it uh, because he hit, you know he, he would have never moved his ball that far out of the rough to get the ball that close. Um, so we've reinstituted the Freeman rule, and if you know, and it's just main maintaining you know some some pace, like you said, and also the enjoyment, because otherwise. You know, when you're out there 95 degrees and you're battling the conditions, uh, we want to try to keep that battle as light as possible. Absolutely. Well, I definitely, uh, and I'll have one more last segment we'll go into, but uh, definitely uh, hats off to everybody that's been working, you know, diligently out in the uh, Florida sun. And even my friends in Texas, that they're going out to golf courses. They're like, yeah, you know, I don't see how these guys work out in this. Well, they're making it better for everybody. Because yes, golf is like a sanctuary. 
Absolutely. So, go into heroes. It's time for heroes. For heroes. And zeros. And zeros. This segment brought to you by beer. Any beer. Just grab a beer, open it, and enjoy. All right, so my hero that I, heroes that I want to talk to talk about are all the PGA golfers that I continuously see on these uh, videos and TikTok that are reaching out to the kids that constantly do all this charity work and you know let kids come up and I saw one the other day where they they brought a kid over to the tee box and all of them signed a the ball and gave him a glove and and just the compassion that a lot of uh, professional golfers that that reach out to these these children and to less fortunate kids you know to get them in the game or to keep them locked into the game to be fans and it's just a it's a wonderful thing that that goes on and so i definitely want to shout out to all those out there including yourself you you do you do so much for all these these young juniors out here that come to to play They'll come. Their dads will come in here and and have a beer at the pub while you've got them out on the range. You know, uh, you know, teaching them. You know, the basics of such this wonderful game. So hats off to you as well, sir. Now my zeros that we'll go into are the people that constantly, constantly go to any course and complain about it. Right. You know, oh the greens were atrocious. Oh the, you know, like did you go out with your buddies and have a good time? Well, yeah, okay, shut up and have a good time. And we've all been there. We've all, you know, gone somewhere and had expectations, you know, playing. Uh, This is going to be like the Masters. No, the fairways were great, but the greens were a little rough. But it's always going to be a challenge. There's No matter what, golf will always be a challenge to some degree. As if it was the easiest, perfect sport you could ever play, no one would play it because it would get boring. Correct. Yeah, I think that, that those are really good good ones to to. I think that the responsibility we have for the um, you know to growing the game starts with those kids, and I take that responsibility very seriously. And it's you know one of my main joys. You know, it's it's taking a a four year old and uh, watching her come back to me at twenty you know years later, and she's still playing, and she still remembers me. So I had an impact. And that's one of those things that we, um, I think that most golf pros, you know, golf professionals look forward to is seeing that when they <laughs> you go to a wedding someplace else and this 25-year-old blonde walks up to you and she wants to talk to you and she, you're thinking of a different thing and she says, hey, Coach Bob, do you remember me? I was in your junior camp back in, uh, in you know, 92 and now, you know, now she's a six-foot-tall supermodel and you're like, holy crap, I'm getting old. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they were babies back then, but now they, you know, and hopefully and they took those skills on. And, and they're playing yeah. and they're, or they're involved in something. They're in, they're, they, they, they started that spark that flame that made the enjoyment of the game for the for the lifetime and that's what it is it's an it's an it's a game for a lifetime many juniors start kind of go away for a little bit but you know what's going to happen when they're 18 or 19 year old there's not going to be any football and baseball and all that stuff it's going to it's going to come back to something like golf now baba how if if people were interested and they're here in florida all my florida listeners if they were interested in stack and tilt uh how can they get a hold of you yeah, my, my website's the best one, bobshade.com. Um, I've got Facebook presence, uh, Bob Shade Golf, um, and um, bobshadegolf at gmail.com, too. Email me, and I'll try to help you. 
All right, y'all hear it here. And if in other states, if you're listening or if you're listening abroad, uh, look into stack and tilt golf. I have seen videos online where they are doing some instruction if that's your option. But try to find a pro somewhere. There's got to be a list of them somewhere on on the web they're teaching stack and tilt and i highly recommend it 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 will help you uh, develop your game more and uh, if you're in central florida i highly recommend you come down to polk county and play all the golf courses in polk county namely there's one in the direct middle and that is cypress wood it really is it's in almost in the middle of the entire county Uh, check out cypress wood they got a wonderful staff here Uh, i mean from uh, the cart guys to the bartenders to the people that uh, that greet you when you come in to the starter to to every bit of the staff here the cooks I mean everybody is just so warm and friendly and it's just a great atmosphere and I highly recommend anybody that's visiting Central Florida come by Cypress Wood and say hi to Bob say hi to the staff yeah thank you very much Greg Appreciate absolutely man time. it was awesome having you on the show man and uh definitely man sometime this summer we'll have to get out there and swing uh you know crooked stick at a, a little white ball that's gonna happen all right thank you ladies and gentlemen y'all can find me online at the angry texan comedian on facebook and other social media i got uh, show dates coming up pretty soon so just look towards those uh also devin's uh starting to, uh devin's starting to uh recuperate from uh COVID a little bit better he's about to hit the tour back up it looks like he's going to miss all of his florida dates but he's going to be catching up into the carolinas and georgia shortly and you can find him at devon comedy all right god bless everybody and make sure y'all just do the one thing i ask every time i close this show just be nice to each other and uh party on dudes and be excellent to each other if you had a good time give us a hell yeah Email us at AmericanMadePodcast at gmail.com. You can also find The Angry Texan on Facebook at The Angry Texan Comedian, Twitter at The Real Angry Texan, YouTube at The Angry Texan, Instagram at The Real Angry Texan. 